Hello and welcome back to the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside with me, as always, my friend, my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, it has been almost two months since you and I have recorded. How are you, man? How you doing? That seems like a very long time ago, I think is my answer to how are you. Uh, it seems like a very long two months. Yeah, do, doing all right. We're getting, look, man, it's like 40s and sunny here. Some of the snowpack is starting to melt. So, uh, you know, spring is spring is getting close to to springing, which is always uh, good for the old uh, for the old mental health and for the life. Just having, you know, light outside and weather that's good. So we're uh, we're doing well. How are you? And in the last two months, I have had covid. I have celebrated my dogs. Uh, sec- uh, Max Doggin, for listeners that know. Uh, his second adoption day, and I've seen the Turnpike Troubadours, the Avett Brothers, and the Wood Brothers uh, in concert. So I don't think you framed that well. You beat COVID in the last two months. I did. Not only did you have it, you beat it. I defeated the invisible enemy. That is true. (laughs) I defeated the novel coronavirus. Uh, Golly. Golly. Speaking of a long time ago, just think about something for me. Think about 2019 uh-huh yeah when we started was, this podcast yeah 2018 was no less than 20 years ago like you can't convince me otherwise um and 2019 tcu lost to west virginia and missed a bowl game oh my and we gosh. were both there i don't know what the opposite of eternity begins a new each day is but thinking about that west virginia game makes me <laughs> want to think about the opposite okay let's do this at the top you saw you saw turnpike I did. Um, which I, I felt uh, insulted that you when you found out that the Avet brothers were opening, you don't you don't know them very well. I don't and know. I I, I, you, I know that they exist and I have a lot of friends that like them. I couldn't name any of their songs. Yeah. And you thought, hmm, Avet brothers, which one of my chubby white friends with a beard is probably going to have the strongest opinion about the <laughs> Avet brothers. And so you texted me. And of course, I knew what songs you should listen to and all that. So uh, it was uh, a profiling, but it was a successful profiling. So let the reader decide if that was bad or not. But how was the uh, how's the concert? And it was insane. Uh, for our listeners, if you don't know the Wood Brothers, first off, they're way older than I thought they were. Um, they're like 50. Um, yeah. yeah w- w- which I did not know. Um, go listen to uh, The Muse. Um, it's a perfect song um they were fantastic the Avid brothers were great i i don't know any of the songs that they like the names of any of the songs that they played other than i am loving you um because they say they, i am loving you in that one <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's also like it, it's a very mouthy title it's very hard to say um but turnpike man i mean stole the show so good evan felker sounded fantastic um i saw him at american airlines arena and i swear to god like if there were 18,000 seats open, there were 18,001 people there. It was packed. Dang. For that concert. Um, they they stole the show. It was, I mean, absolutely beautiful. Just all the hits, everything you want, so good. And did and he's obviously he's been through he's been through some stuff and figured yeah, it out since then. The yeah. last time 
the last time I saw them, he just kind of stared off into the distance and was kind of a weirdo and he sounded good, but it was just very much like a hollow and robotic kind of a shell of a performance. And so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming from what you're saying, he was a little more energetic, a little more with it, uh, which is good. Yes, he he was vibing. He dedicated uh, Diamonds and Gasoline to his wife and his kids um, nice. and played it solo um, with the fiddle. Um, and the entire crowd was just a puddle of tears. He left the stage and RC sang uh, the Dawes song, All Your Favorite Bands Stay Together. Oh, gosh. Um, which, pointed message. But, uh, I mean, just anyway... It's they seem like they're in a really good place. It's a hell of a concert. So um the here's the thing about a Dawes song. You mm-hmm. can't just play it. Like I hate if I'm like at a coffee shop or a bar or something and a Dawes song comes on because they're yeah. all just so sad. And you're like, dude, you can't just invoke that you can't you can't take me there without me being willing <laughs> to go there. I need consent before you send me down this. Like, <laughs> golly, you hear some of these. All your favorite bands is a really, really bad one. I mean, it's a good one. But it's one of those where it's just like, oh, I'm. This is yeah. Great. Thank you. I'm gonna go stare out they, the window and think about my life. But they played it in an upbeat way. To, it, it was almost tongue in cheek, like sending Evan off and having RC sing it, and be like, hey, I hope all your favorite bands stay together. Wink, wink. Also, speaking of covers, the Avid Brothers covered a uh, Operator by Jim Croce. Dude, uh, dude, it was really damn good. I'm very much into really, that. Really good. Big, big fan of Jim Croce as a, uh, you know, like you, the weird things, like your dad has a random CD yeah. and you grab it and you listen to it forever. Jim Croce, greatest hits, Time in a Bottle. Uh, oh, uh, obviously, uh, Big Bad Leroy Brown. Leroy Brown. Um, don't the, Mess Around with the, Jim. Yes, the the um, the roller derby one. And yes. then also some really good ones like uh, uh, Operator. They, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so they opened, sorry, this podcast has gone off the rails. They opened with uh, Just a Closer Walk with the, um, the religious song, which is sick. Yeah. It was just a Seth and I don't know the other Avery Brothers name. That's how much I don't know about the Avery Brothers. But uh, it was beautiful. Like everybody I was with was just super into it. It was it was a hell of a concert. It was really, really good. I'm, a, I'm glad you're exceedingly, exceedingly jealous. I think that was very fun and I wish that I had gone. Yeah. Um, I'll have to say I love you in the song is the other Jim Jim Croce's uh, yes. song. Yeah. Every time I try to tell you, the words just slip out wrong. So I have to tell you that I love you in the song. Yeah, yeah, that's Jim Croce. I have to give a shout out to my older mate, Joey, who uh, I played Bad, Bad, Leroy Brown when we were playing Settlers of Gatan. And then two weeks later, he calls me when he was driving back from work. And it's like, I think I love Jim Croce. And I was like, all right, man, cool. And he's the biggest Jim Croce fan I know at this point. So, you know, just getting people. I into should the, not uh, go down this. I think, okay, this is crazy. Ray me in at any point. Oh, I will. I saw, I saw Todd Snyder relatively recently. Mm-hmm. And the woman who opened up for him is Jim Croce's son's ex-wife i think what? that is what really? she said on the stage aj <laughs> is his name i can't find her name for the life of me she was from nashville uh so she opened with i'm jim croce's son's ex-wife. she didn't open with it she sang a couple songs it was fine she was okay but it came out like through her stories like she did a very unsubtle 
oh, I was in Nashville with so-and-so and, you know, AJ and said something about, J- like, said his name, but then just said Jim, didn't say Jim Croce. I, I don't know. Um, maybe that's true. I think that's true. Yeah. I believe you. Marlo <clears throat> Croce. Um, no, this is wrong. I don't know. Someone can check can me say. on this. There's hey. some relation to Jim Croce from this, and I'm thinking about it, and no one cares, and I can't believe you've let me sit on this so long. I know. Welcome to the revamped Purple Theory Podcast. Parker, we have some content announcements to make. As boy, do listeners, we. Yeah, boy, do we. As listeners, you may have heard our last episode, we talked about how uh, unsatisfied we were with TCU's hire of their offensive coordinator. And we are reshaping the podcast to wit. This is now a Big 12 centric podcast, whereas before it was a TCU centric pod with Big 12 um, kind of ties in and, and, and analysis. This is now a Big 12 podcast. So welcome. Um, we will talk about TCU because they are a Big 12 team, but we're now, uh, you know, kind of evaluating the landscape of a conference that has changed a ton, and I think it's going to be really fun to talk about. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to – I'm not going to try and spin this as any other way than, like, I'm disgusted at TCU and just not interested in, yeah. you know, being a being a fan uh, day in, day out of, of, of you know, talking about it in, in such a way that is um, personal and fun anymore um, as in their current situation. But um, I, I think that the thing that I've most enjoyed about our podcast and the thing that we've done the best have been our, like, team previews. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's specifically when we kind of put on, uh, another, you know, we, we just, we just try to put on another team's shoes and, and dive into a roster and talk ourselves into it, talk about the strengths, talk about the weaknesses, um, break down and, and do that. And I think we're just, I mean, we're going to continue to do that, which is really fun. I think that's something we do really, really well. And we'll do that in, um, uh, you know, all, all, all summer. Cause now we have 14 teams we have to preview. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I will say is there are, um, a lot of y'all that we really like that are um, great, great listeners. And I would say even online friends, and we don't want to be like, Hey, screw you guys. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to talk about TCU. And I bet if you broke it down, we would probably talk about them more than any other team, just because we're going to rotate through. Yeah. Um, but our, 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 where we're settling is that we are going to cover the big 12. We're going to do it really, really well. And I think we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it. We've got some good ideas for content, some good ideas for segments, some good ideas for like power ratings and, and kind of some, I'll say games, but that's a little cheap, but like thought exercises that the readers or the listeners can participate in. And um, we can all kind of talk about those. And, and, and so I think that'll be a lot of fun, but I mean, this podcast has always been a football podcast that is, um concerned with observing the game and thinking about it and learning about how we learn about football and we're going to continue to do that and i think it's going to be great and the big 12 this fall is going to be really really fun so i'm i'm excited about that um and and we are just going to talk about all 14 big 12 teams and tcu is going to be one of those 14 teams um we're calling it purple theory because we're lazy i think is i just don't want to come up with the idea of rebranding and and changing over so change not social media be like changing over the podcast and stuff. I don't want to do it. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep going. So um yeah. This podcast would exist if we went to any other school. Um also I look really good in purple and I don't look good in a lot of colors. Um, so we're keeping it purple theory. That's basically it. Um we have a lot of good guests lined up. Um don't want to overpromise anything, don't want to spoil anything but you'll hear from some really good voices in in the uh, college football sphere coming up 
Um, but yeah, we are just kind of refocusing. Um, so hope you'll join us. Hope you're excited. With that said, Parker, we do have one segment that I would like to debut now, if that's okay with you. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with this. And I want to, I want to give you full licenses to, um, or full license to, uh, do this with my entire blessing and that like I encourage this. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm here for this. I think recurring segments are very fun. So take it away. This is called Three Things I Hate. This is uh, taken from um, the uh, old, oh, what's his name? Uh, Greg, what's his last name? We we texted about this. I thought it was Peter King does Three Things I oh, Think I Peter Hate. King. It's Peter King. Yeah, Peter King. Um, you know, Three Things I Think I Think. This is Three Things Grant Hates. Number one is SI's golf rankings. Parker, you, you're, you, I mean, you're a stats man. Uh, I, some I, I some say. Some, some say. SI uh, debuted these new golf rankings where it's uh, strokes per distance, which is basically how many shots does it take to complete a course of a certain distance. So if it takes you 69 shots to – I did not mean that to – make an inappropriate joke but also nice if it takes you 69 shots to complete a 7,000 yard course and 69 shots to complete a 7,500 yard course the 7,500 yard course weighs more I can't stress enough how insane that is SI is now owned by Saudi Arabian um, princes and it's very disappointing I okay hold on we're gonna wallow in this for a second because yeah please is it is it par a like a very yeah, no, no, yeah. signal and, and as so to like, the it, difficulty of right. That and seems so, like par, but stupider. So Kapalua like, is the longest course the players play on tour. It's like 7,600 yards and they shoot 30 under every single time they play Kapalua. And because it, there's a lot of par fives and it's very easy, whatever. And it takes few strokes to complete it. It's insane. I will. I, I've tweeted about this. I hate it. Wouldn't you expect the variance to matter too with par? So like, okay, variance on a par three is going to be a lot smaller than variance on a par five, right? Like the number of shots it takes someone because mistakes compound, right? Yes. I, yes, depending on the course. The distribution, because... but like the distribution. So the mean of a par three is three, uh-huh. right? Or something, whatever. The sure. mean of a par yeah. five is it's five. Par. But yeah. the spread, like the shape of the distribution is going to be a lot wider on five than it is on three. Because like you get a hole in one, that's four under. You can't go sure. four under well, on a par two, three. But you you, you can't yeah. go one. I mean, no one ever makes a hole in one on a par five. Um, right. Very rarely do you make an albatross on a par five, um, which is three under. But yes, I, I I think you're right. But there are so many par threes on tour. Think of Sawgrass specifically, number 17, where mistakes compound. Um, right. So it's easier to make a higher, be over par on a par three than it is to be over par on a par five. Um, yes, that would make sense to me yeah. as well. And so that all that to say, throwing out par in favor of some kind of aggregate distance measure. Is it's because they're owned by the Saudi Arabian government. So it's not great. I'm moving on to to thing I hate number two. And this comes from Texas A&M, which may surprise oh you or may not. <clears throat> they tweeted, this is the, uh, let me make sure I pulled this up correctly, Texas A&M football. Hashtag. So the tweet is, who will set hashtag the standard? Standard is spelled 2-T-A-N-D-4-R-D. 
I hate this. I have to find this tweet. Have you tweeted this? Uh, I've, oh, I've yes, you did. Okay. Yes. A 2-T-A-N-D-4-R-D. Okay, on initial reading this, I thought this was like second and four. Is second and four some kind of important play? No, in Texas I think it's more just they're going to be two and four at some point next year. This The two and four? I don't understand this. I think it may be like 2024 is when the championship game is. If is it's Texas what going already next yearing 2023? Is I that what's happening might, here? They might be. I did you watch this minute and i'm not watching oh uh, no minute. no i didn't uh, it, it, it's, it's your standard the standard video, toughness it's about pride whichever. it's about power it's about hungry devour all that stuff <laughs> no there's no like is this like the 24th anniversary of something for texas A&M? no no uh they know it's I was 2023 about the bonfire but that's 97 i think no it, i don't think you make hype videos about the bonfire uh, right right I, I, i'm not trying to make a lot of the bonfire for the record i'm saying it's it's nothing. It's two T A N D four R D. What the hell is this? <laughs> I don't know that I'm I'm I, I'm getting mad at this. I don't know <laughs> that I'm as mad at this as I am just bewildered. Well, I'm mad. I can tell you that. <laughs> that I, is the second thing that I think I hate because I know I hate it. It's just. So I think about, have you seen that clip of that like fat country dude? And he's like, it's just unnecessary. Yes, That's how yes. I feel about this right now. Um, I, I, they I, just, I do hate it. I think I've come around to hating it. Um, yeah, yeah. They just do it out there into the ether. Um, the third thing I hate, I'm reserving for our next segment, which is that we're going to talk about the next four uh, members of the Big 12. So you and I picked two teams, right? We did. And we'll let's say we'll alternate. So you start. Um, I have Houston and UCF. You have BYU and Cincinnati. And go in any order. I don't really care. But just as a welcome to the Big 12, let's kind of introduce our audience. Um, what do we expect from these new members? Yeah. So I'll start with BYU because I think they're really they're very fun. Um they had like one of the best seasons that we have statistically on record in 2020 mm-hmm. um, with Zach Wilson, who went on to become a New York jet and um, one of the worst football quarterbacks that we've <laughs> seen in a long time. Like not just, it's one of those, it's really a shame because he was really fun in college. It's not one of those like, Oh, the game's just like getting away from him. Um, like speed of the game stuff. It's like, no, he is actively bad, but He's not on BYU anymore. They had they had a really great season in 2020, and that was kind of their recent peak. Um, TCU fans will remember BYU and TCU overlapped in the Mountain West. There was a couple game day games that were mm-hmm. kind of fun up in Provo. Provo, I think there was one that was game day. And, and so I wouldn't call it a TCU rivalry, but I would say it's very fun. And uh, Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall had a great run there. Um, I think this is, what, five out of six seasons, he had five out of his first seven seasons. He won 10 games or more, which is very impressive. It's for impressive. A Mountain West to independent team. Can I, can I interrupt to ask you a question? Yeah. Brock Mendenhall was like a dirty coach. Like his teams were dirty. That's what I mean. They did a lot of bee punching. <laughs> I don't know who would ever listen to this. 
but I will say that the delegate from the Democratic People's Republic of Stance War has no comment on the Bronco Mendenhall issue. Okay, that's fine. I'm just, I, 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 my advice would be to go watch some game tape and see if there was some uh, illicit activity on field for Bronco Mendenhall. Besides that, I'm leaving just a lot of low-hanging fruit here. I'm just skipping over. <laughs> well, that. the low-hanging uh, fruit is what they were yeah, attacking. Right? But yeah, yes, there we go. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Two-month break doesn't mean anything for our comedic <laughs> timing. We're there. We found it. He won. C won uh, five, five, ten, ten win seasons in their first six, and there was a little bit in the wilderness after they went independent. So that is schedule quality. You've got to play. Notre Dame, you've got to play USC, not USC. Um, yeah, USC some years. Yeah. Uh, so kind of kind of kind of tough there. Um specifically, they had like two really three, I'd say three really, really good teams, which mm. were the 2006, 2007, and then that 2009 team overall. They, I mean, the thing about being BYU and being in the Mountain West during a time when TCU and Utah and Boise State were so good is like they just went to the Las Vegas bowl a bunch. And yeah. so there's not really like a history of uh, there's not like any, there's not a lot of hardware that's, you know, mm-hmm. super exciting in terms of the expectations that we see from like a TCU uh, being in, you know, getting, getting to those BCS busters, but BYU has a very good, very competitive football program that Kalani Sitaki took around, took, took, uh over after Mendenhall decided to to leave in 2016 and and strung together a couple really good seasons in in 20 and 21 um I think the most important thing for knowing about BYU is kind of twofold one they are not a school that's going to come recruit in Texas and compete with recruits they have an alternative recruiting pattern um I believe if I look at this number correctly that they are not in the top 100 they're top 100, not in the top 75 of uh, talent. I'm wrong. They're 65th, right? Between okay. uh, Purdue, Boise State, Virginia, Washington State, Georgia Tech. Um, I would say their recruiting classes are better than all five of those. They are just different and a little bit harder to um, measure. Uh, they, they, yeah. the, I think the meme about like the older guys is, is a little bit dead because of the way they've restructured some stuff. And so the average age of that roster is not, you know, it's not 24 year old dudes. Like, uh, I think people want to make it out to be what with the, the obligation for service and all that they've, they shortened that and made that a little more interesting for, or, or feasible rather for football, uh, players, but they are, are going to be guys who, who get, people who are super dedicated they're going to get underrated on the lines because they have a lot of polynesian samoan guys uh with their connections to the church and they're going to be a team that um really likes to sling the ball their their offensive coordinators you know jeff grimes is at baylor now tcu fans are are familiar with him um Mm. he kind of engineered their turnaround but Kalani sitaki's son whose first name i won't try to butcher off the top of my head um is is one of the passing game coordinators and um they have been able to pass the ball really, really well, but their defense has been just abysmal the last two uh, two seasons. Um, they brought back a ton of returning production on defense and got worse, mm. which is um, never what you want to see. They've made a no. change, brought in San Jose State, 
um, defensive coordinator, I believe. So BYU is, is if I was giving just the briefest assessment to someone who's not familiar with what BYU's done the last couple of years besides Zach Wilson, is under Kalani Sataki, BYU has played very level football. They peaked with Zach Wilson and with um, uh, a, a little bit of lightning in the bottle with offensive coordinator. And uh, last season in 2022, I think they expected to repeat a double-digit season, but they lost out um, with some defensive issues. And in 2023, they're going to be playing against much better competition uh, for all, all the entire conference schedule. And they're going to have to figure out how to play like a balanced defense, because even if they can get this offensive, uh, even if they keep up the streak of good offensive play, you think about Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, you know, they've had consistent quarterback play. uh, That defense is going to have to get uh, better culturally. I think they travel well. I remember being in in the Mountain West and uh, Jim Fredette dropped, you know, 30, 40 points or whatever on TCU. And it was all blue in the, in the, in the Schaltmeyer arena. Uh, I think it was, Maybe it's Daniel Meyer Coliseum at that time. Yeah. Oh, um, it was the DMC. Yeah, for back sure. Back in the back in the DMC days. But so they there there's a huge DFW base. I don't think that's a small reason why they're in um in the Big Twelve, uh of of BYU supporters, and they do turn out and they travel they travel well. So I do think they will be an engaged uh, fan base this this fall. Uh, culturally, I think that that's that's pretty exciting for the Big Twelve yeah. as well to get someone who will come to events and not you know, even if they are kind of across the country, it's not, it's not limited turnout. Yeah, no, I, it's, I, I'm excited to have BYU in the big 12. I mean, they have a national championship in the last 40 years. Um, was it 1984, 1985, something like that? Um, won the holiday bowl, whatever it was, and and somehow stole a national championship. Yeah. I'm I, big fan base, exciting football team. Can't, can't argue with that. That's that's and my Le- assessment. Lavelle Edwards basically invented modern offense. Also, yeah. Know. Also, if you read uh, the um, S- uh, oh, what's the book? Um, I always want to say SE Cup, but it's not. Um, the I Air- think that's somewhat book. different. No, she, she, I think she wrote The Outsiders. Um, no, that's SE Hinton. SE Cup, I think, is like a political person, right? Yeah. What's all right? Now I'm gonna sound dumb. What's the book where it has like Mike Leach and uh, Lavelle Edwards and all them? Isn't that a smart football book? I thought it was. Uh, I oh, thought, it, I it thought Chris, Chris Brown did a bunch. It of might that. be Chris Brown. No, I don't. Listen. S.E. Hinton wrote The Outsiders. I was right S. about S. that. I don't know where you're going outsiders. with this. I've sufficiently. On. Okay, hold that. on. Well, listen, I'm googling book about Mike Leach now because I have to not sound dumb. But yes, I, I honestly like the um, the per pass. S.C. Gwynn. That's what I was looking for. Um, talks a lot about Lavelle Edwards. Talks a lot about BYU. Um, yeah. A, a kind of a coaching hotspot, which is weird if you consider the religious expectations of that university. But there have been a lot of really good head coaches, assistant coaches that have spent time with BYU. So, yeah. Excited to have them. In the uh, TC, TCU's former head coach, Gary Patterson, has ties to yes. BYU and to the LDS. Um, so it's it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have Houston next. So Houston, let's see, they were eight and five last year. Um, the Houston Cougars are a really interesting team. So that was disappointing. That was disappointing, right? Eight and it five was. for no, Clayton Toon's senior year with that right, defense in 2021. That's the thing. With Clayton Toon's senior year, you'd expect them to be better. Um, 
in the American. Listen, TCU fans will be familiar with Dana Holgerson um, and his style of offense, um, his entire demeanor. Speaking personally, I'm excited to have Dana back in the Big 12. Uh, I love the guy, and I (laughs) he's he's aspirational in terms of hey man, I'm gonna coach a football, drink a Red Bull, smoke a cigarette, and go somewhere else. Has he has he mellowed at Houston at all? That's what I'm most interested in. I don't think he, no, I don't think he has. Sometimes a guy will take a drop down job like that, which it's no longer a drop down. When, when, now that they're on equal footing with West Virginia, it's arguably a yeah. better job than West Virginia. I think strongly. I think at 100. I it, now they're on equal footing. Yes, 100 um, is. But sometimes you see a guy do that and just kind of like live his best life and get that glowing skin and everything. And I think I think Holgerson is just who he is, man. There's no like. Um, yeah. We'll talk about like Gus Malzahn. There's no. That's like, oh, what I was going to say. I've got boosters, yeah. whatever. It's just like he is who he is. Yeah, he's he's still he's still Dana. Um, to be fair, they were 12 and 2 in 2021. That was Clayton Toon's kind of breakout year. Um, Houston is a decent football program. They have a great um, booster base. Um, you might think of Tillman Fertitta, uh, uh, Fertitta, who owns the Houston Rockets uh, and a bunch of restaurants. Now, those restaurants may be underwater. I am not a financial reporter, but go look into that if you're curious. Um, there are a lot of people in Houston who are fans of the University of Houston and a lot of rich people who want to make that university a real thing. They have always, I'm speaking personally, coming from a Texas background, they have always been kind of the little brother not having an identity university having the big 12 is going to really kind of boost their profile. It's going to be really interesting. Parker, I, I, I do have a question for you. So I'm going to read you three coaches and then a blank and then another coach. And I want you to fill in the blank. Don't cheat. Okay. Okay. Houston's head coaches in a row, in a row, Art Bryles, Kevin Sumlin, blank, Tom Herman. Major Applewhite? Was that was after, after, was Tom, after Herman. Tom Herman. That was after Tom Herman. Kevin Sumlin. And I'll give you, before our Bryles, Dana Dimmel. Noted, uh, I, knew, I knew Dimmel was there. It's yeah, he not was Applewhite. Art. It's, um... <sighs> Dude, it's somebody random that like. Yeah, didn't it's coach Tony Levine. Else. What the heck? Okay, yeah, I wasn't gonna get that. Yes, <laughs> and, I, and, yeah. Who now owns and operates a Chick Fil A restaurant in Missouri City, which is where my sister lives. Hey, um, that's a good gig, man. That, man, I, I hear they're really profitable. But so that's kind of where Houston is. Um, now Houston has brought in Donovan Smith from Texas Tech. Oh, so TC fans will be. I forgot about that. Yeah, man. Very, very. I know. And I'm kind of excited to see what happens when they bring him in. Um, Like, like we'll get to this in the preview, but like, yeah. Designing an offense for Donovan Smith rather than trying to make Donovan Smith run Tyler Shuck's offense. Right. Interested. Sign me up. I'm here for it. 
And Clayton Toon and Donovan Smith are two very different people. And I kind of trust <laughs> I kind of trust Dana to figure that out. I don't know. I I, I like Dana Olgerson a lot. So we'll see. It's going to be Again. interesting because there are a lot of words I would use to describe Donovan Smith and um, precision passer is. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the air raid. Hey, we're going to run mesh may not be his, uh, his preferred style. Of he football. did throw for 300 yards against Texas though, which is hilarious. Listen. And largely the only reason that Kansas State is the Big 12 champion last year, because had that not happened, had Texas just actually had Bijan Robinson not fumbled in overtime, uh, <laughs> Kansas State oh, would not have made the Big 12 championship. We, at some point, we're going to get to Bijan Robinson, but just. I guess we could have done draft stuff this week because it's a combine, but I'm sick of talking fine, about it. We have plenty we'll of time. To, yeah, yeah, we have plenty of time. Um, we're going to delve into all of these teams more when we get to our team previews, but just looking back at Houston's schedule from last year, they beat UTSA in triple overtime in the first week of the season. That's Angry a great win. Yeah, heck of a game. They lost to Tech and Kansas. Lost to Tulane. Lost to SMU. But beat Louisiana, beat Memphis, beat Navy, beat USF. They didn't really beat anybody is kind of what I'm getting at. I think Dana needs to kind of get on his horse. Yeah, they low-key kind of had an ass kick of the first five games there. Yeah, UTSA, Tech, Kansas, Rice sucks, and then Tulane. Yeah, it been Rice improved over the course of the year. They were bad at the beginning. Yeah, but come on. And I mean, then Rice. Yeah, man. And then woof. No, no ranked teams. Yeah, yikes. That got um I guess, I guess I will say, I'll counter you. They did beat um East Carolina, who I think was decent, pretty good, sure. even. Yeah, 42 to three. Beat, yeah. beat the crap out of them. Yeah. So I think that is the one I would say that's the only game they like actually won. Um, they also played are you gonna bring up the most ridiculous football game that happened? Oh, yes, year? I am, brother. Please. They lost okay, to I'll, SMU. I'll stop. They lost to SMU 77 to 63 on the NFL network, mind you. It broke the record for the most points scored in an FBS game. It defies logic. The drive chart is so funny. It's so good. <laughs> Can I read it? I'm going to read it. I'm still please. Thunder, sorry. Please. <laughs> Both teams <laughs> alternating, starting with SMU. First half. <laughs> Touchdown, 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 interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown, 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 miss field goal. That's halftime. 56 <laughs> to 35. Should point out SMU with a golden echo in the first half, a phrase that I had to come up with because they scored seven touch, <laughs> what, eight touchdowns on eight drives in the first half. Second half, we got touchdown, touchdown, downs, punt, touchdown, 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 interception, end of game, 77 <laughs> to 63. That's not even like, LOL, no defense was played. That's There were no defenses on the field. Tanner Mordecai threw nine touchdowns. I, we should play the <laughs> game. I bet, I bet we should... Um, the game of like, what would Tanner Mordecai be if he had just had a normal 
uh, a normal it, game there yeah. <laughs> in terms of touchdowns last season to uh, Wisconsin Badger Tanner Mordecai, which is weird. Wait, um, really? I'm wait. I, does he, does he still have eligibility? Dude, I think he has two years. Is what I saw. He's like my absurd. age. Yeah, but you're kind of young still, sort of. I'm 27. Okay, box score. Clayton Tune threw for seven, seven TDs touchdowns. and three picks. So Clayton Toon was tied for first in total touchdowns with CJ Stroud at 37. If he had just had a normal game, which is like three or four touchdowns, he would have been like Max Duggan had 29, Michael Penix had 29, Hendon yeah. Hooker had 27. And then Tanner Mordecai, 31 touchdowns, was tied for eighth in the nation. So if he had just had a normal game, instead of nine, he had thrown three or so. Um that would be 25, which is like Nicozy Perry had 25 touchdowns last season. Carter Bradley, uh, Jaden Delara, Kyle Van Trees, Dylan Gabriel. So definitely a level, uh, a good reminder why not to use uh, just counting stats and and why you have to adjust for pace when you think about quarterbacks. Yeah, and I'll also say that also highlights like how effing good Joe Burrow was and how loaded that LSU offense was because he had like 50-something Passing touchdown. It was so. um it was very good. It was very good. Was very I don't good. think that's a hot take. No. Parker, tell us about the Cincinnati and Bearcats. Did you know Anthony Gordon had one more touchdown than Joe Burrow in 2019? Wait, really? He had 230 more passing attempts, more dropbacks. And stupid. Who did he 249? He played for Washington State. Oh, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. He was the I, guy I, after yeah. Minshew. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that, yeah, that adds up. Your uh, playoff qualifying Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, yes, sir. Just lost their coach. So probably in the least enviable situation out of everyone just mm-hmm. for, for that situation, but actually sneakily have like a good history. I think that when they made the playoff in 2020, excuse me, 2021, went 13-0. and 0. Um, They, there was a lot of talk about like Luke Fickle rebuilding. Mm. Um, and yeah, man, Tuberville definitely fell off. Uh, uh, that could apply to a lot of things. I'm not going to, just fine. Do we want to talk about Tommy Tuberville or do we have? That's, um, that's Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, uh, architect of success, Tommy Tuberville. Uh, that's a fact. It's in the congressional record. Hold on, wait. Sorry, um, I, ha- I had to leave. I uh, I know we're in the middle of a steak dinner, but I gotta go. I got another. I got a thing. I've been to the podcast. I have to have to do. So, like Brian Kelly won, you know, 10, 11, 12 games in a row. Butch Jones was at ten and nine. Tubbs was at nine and nine before he kind of fell off. And then Fickle, yeah, two eleven, eleven win games or 11, 11 win seasons back to back. Uh, went to the Peach Bowl in 2020, nine and one. Mm-hmm. Um, returned a lot of production. They had what six starters get drafted in the first day, in day one or whatever yeah. of uh, the the. No one checked me on that. It's late at night, but um, of the of the 2021 draft, it's, it's ridiculously late. Yeah. Um, but I I do think that they got really lucky. Okay. In the playoff timing. So I, I think that one, it's great that they made it 
there was no other choice than for them to make it in 2021. There's there's mm-hmm. no reasonable, it's same thing with TCU this year. Anything would have been mental gymnastics that would have been so transparent that I think the charade would have fallen through. Um, but they did, they did win in um, 2020 and then carried that over. So they basically played like your classic Georgia in the peach bowl, like disinterested. Uh, I'm not in the national championship team. And they played uh, that they lost that by one score and that plus an undefeated season kind of gave them a really, really good preseason prior going into 2021, which is the only way like a G5 team can make the playoff is to have like an excellent season, return a bunch of production, keep your reputation up and then win Mm. again. Um, But I will say in 2020, here's how they got lucky. They played Austin P and army in the non-con. And then they played South Florida, SMU, Memphis, Houston, East Carolina, who was very bad at that point. UCF, they won one score game. Tulsa, they won by one score game. Um, They really just did not play a a very, very strong schedule at all in 2020. And it helped them in 2021 to kind of uh, maintain that goodwill and get in the playoffs. So that's not like a knock on them or anything. It's just like, that's the circumstances of kind of how they got there. They, um, Cincinnati under under Luke Fickle made a bowl the last five years. Interesting fact: they are three and two in bowls um, under him. Well, I, that's not fair. They're two and two. Kerry Coombs. Speaking of random names oh, and God. people you thought people you thought were owning a Chick Fil A franchise somewhere, <laughs> um, he he lost the Fenway Bowl this year. But Fickle is gone to Wisconsin, um, and I think that they are in a really really interesting position uh, going forward because. Cincinnati has had a really good, um, like I just said, they, they've, they've had a couple of good strings of coaches like development. Um, they did something different in bringing in Scott Satterfield. Yeah, that's um, a real. That is not like, hey, here's an up and coming coach. Um, it's, it is, I think in their mind, a lot more akin to the team you're about to talk, talk to, who is UCF, yeah. who brought in Gus Moss on. Um I don't believe Gus Malzahn got voluntold to leave Auburn in the same way that Satterfield. Well, I would. I leave. No, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm saying not in the same way. Okay. Um, Gus's was like, "Hey, man, this was fun. It's time. We want something else. We're just kind of Gus's was want to do this. We're Auburn, and we're insane. Yes, I'm being very nice. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Louisville was like, hey, man, you're like publicly leaking that you're interviewing for every available job. <laughs> and you're like saying, I don't want to be here and I hate this place. Um, You should take a pay cut and go to Cincinnati. <laughs> and uh, also, he, he lost that yeah. bowl game, right? The Cincinnati Louisville. I mean, yeah. oh, my it, gosh, that was OK. We talked about this on the Purple Theory That's pod bad. in like December, like. Louisville beat Cincy. I'm I'm 95 percent sure, but I, I guess that's how. Okay, so you don't talk about the last two months being a long time ago. Yeah, this was freaking forever. Oh my gosh, 24 to seven. How many turnovers? Six <laughs> total turnovers. Yeah, good. That sounds about right. I'm good, really okay. good, good. Um, yes, Louisville. Louisville won pretty pretty handily there. Um, I think Louisville's in a better spot with Jeff Brom than they are uh, Scott Satterfield too. Satterfield has done well with some transfers and some bringing over some of his recruiting class. Um, I think I'm comfortable saying that Cincinnati peaked under fickle in 2021 and Mm -hmm. they are, um, 
the worst situated of the new four coming into the big 12? Yeah, I think it's kind of a race to the bottom for Cincy and Houston. Um, but I would think since he's in a worse position than Houston is. I think the floor with Holgerson at Houston is so much higher than the floor. Yeah, no, you're right. Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati is a great example of like, it can always get worse so quickly. Yes. Um, okay. That's far too mean. That's, that's not that we're, no, we're no, not, it's I, not. I don't mean to it, be, it, it, I think they're a fine program. I think they've invested in their facilities. They're certainly a big, big market and they can recruit. Well, I have questions about their vision with um, Scott Satterfield as their head coach. But, but that being said, they've demonstrated historically across different conferences and different eras that they are a program that can invest at a level that leads to 10 win seasons. I think that's their expectation is to maybe have a couple transition years and then, and then compete for the big 12 title. Um, Which if I'm talking about BYU, I don't think they're necessarily talking about winning conference championships. I think they're talking about how do we get to a 10 win season, not how do we win the conference championship. So that's definitely a little bit of a level set uh, or a level difference there rather. Um, But I do think that, uh, yeah, I I think that Cincinnati is, is a big question mark for me going into 2022, not or 2023 rather, not as just a this year power rating kind of a deal, but as a future forward thinking direction of the program, I'm skeptical. Yeah. I've always hated Cincinnati because I really hated uh, Mike Cronin, the head coach uh, for the basketball Mick, Mick team. Cronin? Mick, Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin. Come on, me. man. Yes. Okay. On. Well, I, I hated him, so I'm not going to say his name. Now coaching at UCLA, but um, I've all, I, I've had a really really like hard spot for Cincy just because of that. Um, they produced Oscar Robinson, who rules. Parker, it is now time to talk about UCF, and it is now time to unveil. The third thing that I hate, this was brought to my attention by the Shutdown Fullcast, which, spoiler alert, uh, you may be seeing a host on uh, from that podcast coming up. Parker, do you know what the NIL collaborative for UCF is named? Um, NASA started here 24 You're close. It, it, it's mission control. Let me tell you, Dude. UCF has, they are not the astronaut hub. John Glenn, I think, went to uh, Ohio State. Neil Armstrong went to Purdue. Um, NASA is based out of uh, Cape Canaveral and out of Houston. So U of H has closer ties to NASA than UCF does. It blows my mind. It makes me okay. so mad. But here's the thing that uh, that gets me. Here's the thing that gets me. Here's what really grinds my gears about this. Um, It's not that they don't have ties to space. Like Orlando has space stuff. They have some people who work in mission control. They, you know, the biggest employer, yada, yada, these stats, whatever. Don't have a lot of astronauts, but that's different. The issue is like, this is an entirely online phenomenon. They like cause a stink every time somebody else wears a space uniform. And that's what's the, it's like, don't be dweebs. I would not, we would not be making fun of you had you not been dweebs so consistently about any time anyone yes. wears a space uniform going out of your way to be like, why would they do this? I was like, I don't know, man, because they sent one person to space. Anybody who has anyone even tangentially related to space and has a graphic designer who can make a cool space uniform, boom, wear a space uniform. I don't care. Um, yeah. But there are so many people 
so many schools that have uh, equally valid, if not more valid, claims to space affiliation than UCF does. And every time UCF just causes a stink. Just As terrible. Stephen Godfrey, friend of the pod, once said, it's a degree farm for Hilton night managers. And somehow they're claiming space. And I don't know how that happens. So that is the third thing I'm angry about. Thank you for the shutdown full cast for giving me something to complain about. Parker, the UCF, uh, they're not the Golden Knights anymore, are they? They're also not the Citronauts, which they should be. Our 50th in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. So they are behind Oregon State and just above Pitt. Not really something to write home about. Can I hit you with a yes but, though? Sure. According please. to the last time I pulled this up, which was right as the transfer portal was closing in January, mm-hmm. UCF was second in the Big 12 in net transfer portal rankings from on three. Okay. Okay. So that's good. So, I'm, I'm, I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think that's the way Gus is trying to build, but I don't know with. Yeah. Gonna do that. I mean, yeah. Gus went nine and four last year. Uh, they won the Gasparilla Bowl. So unlike Houston, they beat both Navy and uh, Cincinnati, which is sick. No, sorry. They lost to Navy, but they beat Cincinnati. They also beat Tulane, number 17 Tulane. Um, at Tulane, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, you're 100 percent correct. Re- they great beat game. South Florida. They lost to uh, so they lost to Tulane in the AAC championship game, which I believe uh, was due to they had some injury issues. I'm yeah, I'm just I'm just talking about and, 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 you've, you've yeah. for this. Sorry. No, they did, and they also lost to Duke in the bowl game, probably for the same injury issues. Um, they I think his beat, Duke is low key good. I, yeah, and it makes me mad. I, w- w- which, okay, we didn't talk about this. So Houston, Houston's 56th in the recruiting rankings. They're between Duke and Rutgers. Gross. They, right. But they have a higher recruiting ranking than Wisconsin. But Oklahoma State is 54th. That's a whole nother podcast episode yeah i know season. i know i think I know. I, in I'm addition just, to the preview we're going to do a we're gonna break that down i know i just State. i just yeah. it's not good um cincinnati's 80th just well there i think they're the only one we didn't say in recruiting rankings which is not great oh yikes that's they have some transfers but it's BYU's not 65th for the record um that's not yikes um i'm happy to see that fresno state is higher also kansas i i, I anyway um, so UCF got out of the Josh Heifel death zone, which encompassed Nebraska for quite a while. Gus Malzahn is now the head coach at USF. I, he has to just be playing golf. He looks so happy, man. He, he's having a great time. The Here's amount the of crazy is so much less at freaking. So you're right. Here's, golly. here's. Here's a discussion I have with um friend of the podcast, Hunter Cook, who's a Texas Tech fan. UCF has spent the last however many years being like, haha, we have a national championship. Isn't that cool? And they've been kind of online, talking crap, whatever. They're going to get to the Bay 12. And they're going to be like, haha, we've won a national championship more recently than you. 
And someone from Oklahoma State is going to be like, hey, haha, I cut your tires in the parking lot. Like, they're not ready for the insane, not to be like, oh, our conference is tough in the years. UCF is not ready for the insane schools that exist in the Big 12. They're going to get to Morgantown and get shivved. Yeah, there's going to be, uh, um, you've seen that old guy that's like the uh, the graph. That's call the like ambulance, but not for find me. All that, yeah. Yeah, but call the ambulance, but for UCF. Like, he should call an ambulance. I, it will depend on, uh, like, like many things in college football, it will depend on what they can do on the field. Um, I do believe that there is an arrogance around the program that that is um, unearned, potentially unearned. Um, and I do think that there is a, there's there's success there. I'm not going to say they haven't been successful. I mean, um, yeah, George O'Leary. I will say George O'Leary has a statue, Parker. Dude, I think does he or I, did he just have it on his resume? No, I, well, his resume says that he does. That's very funny. Um has anyone made a George O'Leary Santos joke? That's probably for a different podcast. Sorry, I'll, I'll write that one away. Um, I think people lying about things is very funny. <laughs> I don't know if you, especially when there's no consequence. It's like, hey, I'm applying for the Notre Dame job. Yeah, dude, I'm going to put whatever I want on my resume and see if they give it to me. Yeah, if you have lying in the first five sentences of your Wikipedia page, yeah. you're having a bad time. As long as it's not like, hey, I lied and said I didn't know the nuclear codes, but I did, right? Like there's a line. Uh, but yeah, that's very funny to me. Um, UCF has a very bad stadium. I think they got to fix the bounce house. Um, it is creaky and it is old, but they do have access to Florida talent, which is, um, a lot, uh, a leg up on a lot of people. And if they can, if they can kind of carve out, um, some recruiting room, I do think they are poised, um, to be pretty, pretty competitive there. But the flip side of that is, if you play at UCF, you do get access to Florida talent, which is um, extremely beneficial for the Big 12, I think, uh, as well. So UCF is, I, I think, one of the two or three biggest universities in the country, um, per like, like in terms of student body. <clears throat> a lot of that is commuter. Yep. Um, but I think they are a very welcome addition to the Big 12. Um especially for that recruiting reason that you just mentioned, where I don't know how many actual UCF fans there are outside of Orlando, but man, if TCU can get in there and be like, hey, like, hello, 80,000 people. Come to our university. It is a very um, enticing addition. So, yeah, I think there's a lot yeah. of um, a lot of potential for for UCF to be good. Um, and you know, in terms of recent success, I, I, I might argue their high was higher than Cincinnati's. Um, yeah, I would agree. But, uh, that, that being said, they really haven't replicated it. They've just been American conference good, which we know is, as from, from TCU struggles in, in the big 12 is, um, a little bit different against this slate and against these teams. We'll have, um, in-depth breakdowns more about like their schedule yeah. and their exact roster and everything. Um, but yeah, coming in, I think, I think that there's four programs with varying degrees of recent and historical success. Um, but all okay. four have a so, commitment to investment and all four have a commitment to, um, trying to compete, which I think is maybe better than some other options. Hmm. So let's say the Big 12 stays together for the next decade. That's not going to happen, but let's just say 
these teams are together for the next decade. How would you rank these four teams coming in? Not next year, but for the next decade, how they're set up. 10-year outlook? Yeah, 10-year outlook. Okay, this is going to be an argument based on variance more than it is going to be based on mean outcome. That's fine. I, I just I, – I want your raw rankings. That's – I'm, I'm, I'm not going to judge you on these. UCF, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati. Okay. Okay. Because Cincinnati has a three-year head start or three-year delay when they let Scott Satterfield coach for a little <laughs> bit and then fire him and then he goes somebody else. <laughs> Or he I'd takes go. a pay cut and goes to Western Michigan. I don't know. Maybe he's just moving north and west <laughs> and taking a pay cut every three he's years. Moving north um, and smaller. He just that's kind of unfair. He, that's unfair. So it's a simplification in, of a complex situation. But yeah, he wants to end up in Ypsilanti. Um, I, I I think I'd go BYU, Houston, Cincy. No, BYU, no. UCF, Houston, Cincy. Yep. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think, and I like Dana, I, I, that, but I, I don't think he's long for this world. It's just, I mean, yeah, I, I, think I, the, I think he'd do something else. The highs and lows are pretty extreme there. Um, and if you look at, like, I think again, UCF, Florida talent, BYU, probably a little more consistent than UCF, and they'll be up and down. Yeah. And then a, a jump to Houston and and then a jump to Cincinnati, I think is yeah. the way it goes. Again, that's not a power rating. That's not who's going to win this fall. That's yeah. not who's going to win more games. That's 10-year horizon. It's it's almost non-falsifiable. So um, just, so just, don't uh, yell just at vibes us. looking. Um, yeah. yeah, or do. I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't really point. give a shit. Live your yeah. life. But uh, definitely, definitely keep tweeting about the same thing for, for you know, <laughs> 10 weeks and saying the same thing uh, over and over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everybody really likes it when you do that. Uh, <laughs> Parker. Going forward. Going forward. Moving on. Um, a couple of things that we want to do, just yeah. talking about, like, we're going to do the preseason, the the, the offseason uh, power ratings, or excuse me, um, previews, and I kind of jumped the gun there, but, like, we're going to we're gonna do, like, formal power readings. I think it's been a really mm-hmm. fun exercise for me to kind of pen and paper put together, and we'll have a ranking every week. I think that'll be fun, and we'll try to do – um, avoid like the internet um, shitheadery. Uh, I have a curse, I don't think. So I was just going to get my one in there. Yeah, the I internet got my shitheadery of yeah. just posting posting rankings and being like, these are rankings. Now engage with me because I think that's stupid, and we want smarter people. We will do it. For the record. We're gonna, but we're gonna put numbers to it. And we're gonna talk about our process, and it's my goal to tweet out the template that we use and say, hey, make your own, and let's like talk and argue and. Um, and let's 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 go back and forth and, and see how these hold up. So we'll we'll do an exercise. We'll make that really explicit so that you can do that as well. Not to give you guys homework, but to say I think it's a lot of fun for us to do our preview and then say how good on paper do we actually think this unit is. That'll that'll be a lot of fun as well. Um, and and we'll have some really good guests going forward. Uh, additionally, we're we're gonna have to do some mapping of the schedule because there's 14 teams. So before you know it, we're gonna have to start doing these these offseason yeah. previews. Um, as as well, but uh, I'm I'm excited about that. I I think I think I am. I think I am. It really is a lot of work. I I, I know you guys don't think that we actually do anything. Parker does more than I do, but God Almighty! I mean, it, you the spend preview, the you spend four hours talking about the uh, <laughs> the BYU Cougars and see if you come out sane on the other the previews are, are one of the yeah one of the things that we prep for the most that's kind of fun um no no i love how we just like have implicitly decided we're going to put all our eggs in the basket of those being awesome again and like 
I don't know. Maybe the last three years were a fluke. Listen, just gonna suck. Last year, our longest episode was the Kansas Jayhawks preview. It was also, I think, our most listened to episode. It was pretty good until I think we got. I think the the Texas one and the playoff ones were insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think we'll, I think we'll go hour and a half minimum on teams this year. I think I think it's gonna be fun. Don't don't um, do that. I'm not committing to that, but I, I just have a hankering for that. And then in the season, we're gonna talk about formatting and planning, and we'll have some kind of like rotation. Uh, again, I think I'm yeah. going back to the intro here, but just like as I'm thinking about this, if you're still listening, you care about this. So, um, and we'll do some kind of uh, rotation where like we're not spending big chunks of time on the same team every week but we're getting through yep. everybody so it's like we're going to talk about all 14 teams all whatever seven games in conference play all 14 games in non-con play but we'll just figure out kind of a mechanism to be like hey we haven't talked about iowa state in a while or hey kansas played a fun game let's talk about them um as as well so that we're, we're getting broad coverage and just kind of you know getting to everyone as well as a um i think one of the reasons that the the previews are good is because they kind of challenge us. And I think like focusing on random games systematically is going to challenge us. Yeah. And also like, I, I, I'm really excited to see the big 12 with these new four teams in here. Um, I think it's going to really kind of shake up how the conference works. And I think it's going to be really fun to talk about, Hey, like here's, I don't know, Houston's non-con, like here's Dana Holgerson back in the conference. Here's Donovan Smith in an offense that probably doesn't, suit his standards like there's a ton of storylines so and the, the schedule asymmetry there's a lot of fun of what yeah. if and yeah yeah absolutely yeah so it's it's not it's not a um a true round robin anymore also we'll talk about this next week before we introduce our guest uh brett's been fu- like effing fantastic um as a if that wasn't at the end of this podcast, I'd make you. I know, it. I know, um, but I, I stopped it. But, <laughs> but he's been fantastic as a commissioner. So we'll talk about that too. Yeah, I, I saw some tweets. I'm behind on that, but I see there's food items. Very clearly, we need. Yeah, to uh, they, those, well, so. that's a whole different thing. Um, here's the deal. Tune in next week. We'll have a great guest. Very excited for that. Parker and I will be doing this weekly, and then once the season starts, we'll be back to our two episodes a week schedule. It's amazing because we both have jobs and lives, but we're doing this anyway, and we are very excited to be back. So, Parker Fleming, this has been we got to figure out a sign off. I don't, I don't know what to do with the sign. Well, off. no, we're doing it anyway. This, is, this has been Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds. He's Parker Fleming. He's at Stats of War. Uh, he just launched a new podcast with our friend Jamie Plunkett. Tomorrow right. morning. Well, see, if you're hearing this, it will probably be live talking about college baseball. Just trying to find a home for that. Um, it's called counting outs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to just do some baseball stats and, and some fun stuff there. And think Jamie's writing a little bit and do some um, just some broader coverage, not like specific to a team. So check that out as well. Please stick along and we will be back next week with a very exciting guest. He's Parker Fleming. I'm Grant McGalliard. Adios. <laughs>